All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Mint Collective podcast. Today, our guest is none other than Drake Magruder. Drake is a what I would call a passionate, serious, and advanced collector, someone I've known for a few years now. Drake, welcome to the Mint Collective podcast. How are you doing today? Jeremy, I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk about the Mint Collective and the hobby in general. Well, let's do that. And I want to talk about the Mint Collective with you because uh, we've got some cool stuff to talk about there. But I want to—I want the audience to get to know you a little bit first. And really, I introduced you as a passionate, serious, advanced collector. What made you a collector? Yeah, so the things that made me a collector is, first of all, I'm a big sports fan. And so, you know, whether it's cards or memorabilia or wrestling action figures when I was a kid, that stuff all collected me or that stuff all connected me to the sport. And so the ability to, to get that stuff and kind of have that and whether it was a memorabilia card or an autograph or, uh, you know, a card that, that, that took me back to that moment of when someone like a Peyton Manning was performing or something like that just having those pieces to take me back, right, um, was what really made me a collector per se. Um, it wasn't about values of things or anything like that. I just, I love looking at things and they kind of take me back to that moment of time, you know, when 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 the athlete was playing or when I was a kid or something like that, so. Yeah, I think that's what a lot, it is for a lot of us, it's that nostalgic piece where we, we look at our collection. It might remind us of opening up cards when we were younger or just of watching a particular sporting event. Makes me think of the Super Bowl. Not the one that we just had a couple of weeks ago, but the one the year before where we had Matt Stafford against Joe Burrow. And I had managed to pick up each of their rookie card like a week or two leading up. And I, I actually had those cards in my hands as I watched the Super Bowl. Have you ever like you talk about being more connected to say your favorite athlete, your favorite team. Is that a part of your hobby experience where you want to own cards maybe and enjoy them even while you're taking in an event? Or is that just something I did? <laughs> well, that's certainly a part of it. You know, uh, friends of mine that are in the hobby will joke sometimes that I'm like the retirement home, you know, someone who collects people in the retirement home because I collect Peyton Manning and Drew Brees primarily. Right. And so, you know, with Peyton, he retired and I had plenty of his cards. And then before, you know, before I got back into the hobby in 2019, of course, he was long since retired, but Drew Brees was still playing. And so it was great for me to kind of pick up the Drew Brees cards and look at stuff when he's playing the games and then kind of pull those cards out and then see those ones. And especially certain sets that would take you back to moments like when when they won the Super Bowl. Um, you know, or when he had the passing record and like that sort of thing. And then primarily today with wrestling cards and things like that, it, it's so fun, you know, uh, when someone comes back like the rock and you can kind of pull out your rock cards and it, it brings you back. And right now I'm a big fan and I'm a collector of Roman Reigns and, you know, he's over 900 days as champion. And it's really cool to, to look at that collection and see things that are out and, and you know, just the cards kind of they show those moments and you're seeing that kind of happen live on TV. So I'd say you're not alone, Jeremy. You know, you mentioned uh, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, obviously they're football players, football cards being, in my perspective, one of the four major sports of which there are cards, basketball, baseball, football, and hockey. But you're also a big fan of wrestling cards and that's, and wrestling, the sport or the entertainment. How, what have you seen happen over the past couple of years when it comes to wrestling cards? Because 
it seems to me like, and maybe it's just the accounts I follow on Instagram, including yours at Drake's underscore PC, where I'm seeing a lot more activity and interest in wrestling cards. So the question I have for you is, you know, like I mentioned, what have you seen over the last couple of years, but maybe more specifically, are you noticing that more and more rest like lifelong wrestling fans are discovering cards for the first time over the last couple of years? And, and that's why I am seeing this proliferation of activity. Yeah. So I think that's it. So if, if, if you think about it um, and I'll kind of take things back. So when I was growing up in the Memphis area, Memphis was a hotbed of professional wrestling, but the card shops around there did not have wrestling cards. That wasn't part of their, you know, spectrum of what they carried. And so that, that to me just wasn't a part of the hobby at the time, even though wrestling cards were, were around way back then. Um, and so, you know, as a wrestling fan, if you wanted to collect stuff, you collected signed wrestling boots or signed photos or something like that. Um, and then when I returned to the hobby back in 2019, I still didn't really know about wrestling cards. And then in 2020, I heard David Peck um, talk about the 1982 wrestling all-star set. And I kind of looked up and I was like, man, this set is, is pretty cool. And there's wrestling cards that are out there. Um, and so I grabbed a few of those and, and liked those a lot and all that. And then a little while later, you know, someone who, who was getting back in and collecting and, you know, huge fan of like the finest gold refractors and golds and, you know, and different things like that. I learned that there was like a 2014 Topps Chrome wrestling set. And I got into that and I'm like, man, you know, you can get a, like a Chrome gold refractor of the rock and, you know, Hulk Hogan and Roman Reigns and like, and all these you know, the undertaker and Brock Lesnar. And, and at the time they were the, from a, from a, from a cost standpoint that they were pretty cheap. Right. And so it was great to kind of use that shotgun approach and pick up all these gold refractors and, you know, stuff that people didn't really know about at the time. And so it was great to add those pieces, pieces to my collection. And it's of cards that I like and love that were in some of the other sports. And I think, I think we've seen more and more people kind of gravitate to that. And, you know, it seems like almost every week I talk to somebody that has just discovered wrestling cards for the first time and they get in and whether it's the older stuff or the more modern stuff or whatever, I think there's something for everybody and there's something at all the different price points. And when you look at wrestling cards as a whole, you know, even the top tier cards are not millions of dollars, right? They're in the lower five figures and that whole sort of thing. And so I think, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a niche part of the hobby, but I think you're seeing more and more people kind of gravitate to that. And once they learn about that cards are out there and there are wrestling cards and there are things beyond just memorabilia, um, they're really jumping in and they're finding that, Hey, there's something for everybody. And there's some really neat cards that are out there. So. Well said, you know, a couple things stick out to me there from your answer. The first one is now to the audience, if you're watching this, I want you to, uh, I hope you notice the passion with which Drake just talked when he answered the question, because I was watching you, Drake, and you were excited to answer the question and talk about these cards. If you're listening, you may not have seen it, but hopefully you could hear it. Um, you also mentioned that, you know, with the top tier wrestling cards, there's nothing, there's no million dollar cards, but there's, you know, in, in the five figures, that's still a lot of money for a card. Can you give us your best reason for why a wrestling card can be worth five figures i know it's a it's a, a bit of a abstract type of question but why are why are we as collectors putting so much money into pieces of cardboard yeah i think when you look at it 
that all cards tell a story and some tell different stories, right? So let's just take the 1982 wrestling all-star set. It's a great set. It's kind of like the 1986 Fleer in basketball. Um, and then some other sets, you know, that would come to mind, maybe 61 Fleer in basketball. They're just, there's so many big names in the set. And for a lot, there's just a story behind, hey, these this set came in a cellophane pack that people could mail in. I think it was like $5. And there were certain orders that the cards were put into that stack. And depending on where they were in that cellophane pack, that affected the, um, you know, the uh, condition of the card. And so when you look at across grades and stuff like that, take the 1982 Hulk Hogan, there's zero gem mint copies of that right? There's some BGS 9.5s and stuff like that. But from, from folks who know a lot more than I do, supposedly the BGS 9.5s would probably not cross to PSA 10. And so, you know, when you look at it, hey, th there were probably less than 2,000 sets produced there. There's a, there's a history behind it, um, history behind the photo, just some cool looking cards from like a vintage standpoint. I think that's what creates the um, mass appeal and would cause someone, you know, for a high grade copy of which there are very few, um, you know, I think there's under 20 PSA nines, um, right. On a card that's, what is that? 41 years old. Um, just, just not that many. And it's not something that's growing. And then you get into the more modern stuff, right. And you start getting into the, your, your tops Chrome superfractors and your transcendent superfractors and, and, and things like that. And, you know, you start getting into the, the one of ones and the, the rare and scarce stuff. And, you know, there's just certain cards that are, that are on my wish list, even that just don't come around very often. And you can't find them. And so I think once you get into that manufactured rarity combined with the scarcity of either they're not available either at all, or they're not available in high grades. Um, I think that whole supply and demand is what causes that, you know, the, the prices that you see on, on, on some of those wrestling cards. Yeah. Yeah. makes sense. I, if I just add on a little bit to that, I think, I think it also has to do with the fact that you know i think as humans we have a, a collecting gene in us i think it's dormant in a lot of people and in others like me and you it's it's very very active and i think we also like things as human nature i think we like to own things that other people can't and maybe that's why we like to have the rare pieces and why we why we chase cards so hard and we search the we search all four corners of the, of the earth to find them at times and one of those four corners of the earth are going to be the Mint Collective coming up, at, and especially the marketplace. Uh, and I say especially because that will be where vendors and card dealers are set up selling cards. And maybe we'll be able to find a very nice, rare, scarce piece for our collection. And we'll be able to you know, persuade the seller to sell it to us because we're going to give them enough money to where we can be one of the few owners. You mentioned a whole bunch of cards that you love, whether it's a super refractor, which is usually a one of one. It's just a type of card, a gold refractor, often out of 10 or out of 50. I, I think it might depend. Th those are small numbers. Not everyone can own these cards. And you know, my question of why are we spending so much money on these cards? I think it's, it's those reasons I mentioned. We're collectors. We like scarce things. We want to be able to to share our passion and it's nostalgia. It takes us back to when we were younger watching Hulk Hogan in the eighties. I know I did. Um, and that all, all those related things. So that's what's, that's what I love about our hobby. I also love our community and I love the events and I'm going to tie this in. This is the mint collective podcast. So you're going to notice I, I, how I thread that together there. Um, the mint collective last year was the first time it occurred. Were you there last year, Drake? Uh, no, Jeremy. So had planned to when it was originally scheduled for January, 
But when it had to be postponed until March, uh, we we had spring break plans that week. So I was not able to attend last year, but looking forward to it this year. And so that's actually good because I want to, I want to guess, ask you then this is you didn't go. You obviously you were planning to go. You didn't. You were disappointed when it got rescheduled, I'm sure, because you weren't going to be able to make it. When when it was over and the friends, your friends in the hobby who came back from it and talked about it, um, did what you heard make you wish that you could have been there too? Oh, Jeremy, the, the FOMO was at like maximum level from it. You know, it was just some of the, there was so much content around the event last year that it was hard not to have like major FOMO, um, whether it was from, you know, like the kickoff events where folks are hanging out at the bar and, you know, just hanging out with all the celebrities and and, and, and folks in sports and different people in the hobby and, and that sort of thing. And then you fast forward and you're you're seeing the different uh, sessions that are going on. And, you know, me as like a Peyton Manning collector, seeing him on stage and, you know, with Josh Luber and some of those, you know, some of the other guys and just talking about the hobby and all that. I mean, that just that just really got me right in the feels. And so and so the FOMO was uh, was extremely high. Yeah, <laughs> I was there. So I don't I, I you're not wrong to have uh, sort of, you know, regretted missing out. But you're coming this year, so you get another you get another chance to come. And with that, what are you what are you most looking forward to doing at the event this year? So whether it's the mint or you know whether it's a card show or whatever the case may be, the thing I most look forward to about events like these are really just the the interaction with everybody, interaction with folks in the hobby. You know whether it's hey you're hanging out at a social event or hey maybe you're making a transaction. Um, getting that personal touch, or maybe, you know, you're learning more about the hobby that that's really what makes it complete for me. It's far more than just buying and selling cards or buying and selling memorabilia. Um, you know, I, I often talk that the, the transactional part of the hobby is my least favorite part of the hobby. I know it's a necessary evil, right? Because that's how you buy, sell, trade or whatever. But the, the biggest part for me is just getting to spend time with people getting to learn from people who've been in the hobby longer than I have, um, you know, and just grow as a person, um, you know, and, and um, you know, meet new people, learn new things. That's, that's what I'm most looking forward to this year. What about, so last year at the event, there were panel discussions, some, some uh, sort of in, in breakout rooms and um, people attended them. And, and there was, I, I mean, I, the ones I attended were great. The ones I got to actually participate in were a lot of fun and they were going on concurrent with the marketplace this year. They are broken out into Friday and the marketplace is Saturday and Sunday. So with that kind of, I think that opens up the opportunity for an attendee like yourself to take in these, these uh, breakouts, but they're not just going to be panels this year. They're going to be interactive workshops. So I'm, I, I'm aware we've got the, um, the hobby shop workshop and the grading school workshop. Are these, workshops that you're going to attend are you going to, are you going to be there on the friday and attending these and and if so are you looking forward to them yes yeah, so planning to get in actually wednesday night so i can take in as much as i can that week right um but i am looking forward to those workshops um you know and you mentioned at the grading school i think the grading school is one that i'm re- really looking forward to because it's 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 always one of those things that seems like it's behind the curtain and you can read in in the different magazines and they tell you you know, why cards would get a certain grade and so on and so forth. But really to, to hear that firsthand from a grader, as far as here's what I'm looking for and kind of 
you know, when they point out certain things on a card, for example, um, you know, and then just hearing more about the markets and the way that they are evolving, um, you know, just hearing that that type of workshop, just as I mentioned previously, the educational aspect of it is so big for me. I'm, I'm someone who's always just craving more knowledge and just wanting to learn as much as I can so that I can, you know, be the best participant in the hobby that I can be. Oh, that's a great, that's just a great way to be in the hobby. I respect that a lot. I'm looking at the Mint Collective this year as being an elevated hobby experience. And what I mean by that is, you know, even you mentioned before, whether it's the Mint or, or any any other card show or event that has a card show, you like see, you like meeting, interacting with the people and just the whole, the camaraderie of it all. I love all that as well. Um, I do think that Mint Collective this year is going to be one of these elevated experiences in that, and again, I had the, the luxury of being there last year. So I knew what it was last year and it definitely, it didn't feel like a card show to me yet. There was a card show. And, and I even like how mint is calling it a marketplace. They're not even calling it. A, I don't know any other card show that calls itself a marketplace. I like that. That's what the mint collective is doing. It makes it, 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 it just brands it differently, but I can tell you that the feel matches that different branding. At least it did last year. And I would assume it's going to again this year. And I'm glad that we have the Mint Collective doing an event like this uh, because it, the knowledge aspect of it, the ability to maybe not, you really to open ourselves up to other ways of thinking by sitting in on these workshops. Listen, I don't know what to expect from the workshop exactly. I'm more, I'm more used to a panel discussion where you're just in the audience. So if these are more interactive, I mean, I'm excited by that, by the prospect of what is that going to look like and how are people going to be able to take part in them? So I'm excited that we're having an event that's like that. You know, I've been told by by the people at Mint that it's not so much a B2B event. This is not meant to be such a B2B event. It's meant to be something that where there's something for everybody. It's in Las Vegas. I mean, you, you're going in out when you said I'm coming out on Wednesday, I thought, well, that, an extra day in Vegas, you know what I mean? That, <laughs> that, that can be, a, what do you think about it being in Vegas? How do you like that as a, as a destination for the Mint Collective? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a great spot because just as you mentioned that with the event itself being something for everyone, I think Las Vegas has something for everybody, right? So you can go there and whatever your cup of tea is, I think Vegas probably has it. So I think yeah. it's a great venue for the event. Yeah. Same here. I, I, I love, I love going to Vegas, first of all. And um, I, I believe that uh, the marketplace is meant this year. It's going to be bigger than last year. So that's something that, you know, you won't have that comparison, but for anyone who was there last year, it's going to be, there's going to be more square footage. So there's going to be more dealers. It's going to be more transactional, which is Drake's, not Drake's favorite part of the hobby, but it isn't necessarily evil if you want to buy or sell or acquire or trade cards. So that's, that I think is, uh, is definitely something to look forward to. I'm, I'm excited to see how the floor space is. And I can tell you, Drake, you're, what you're going to see is probably the nicest room for a, the nicest room, not just room, but carpeting. <laughs> carpeting at a card show people it's don't big. it's big right the the impact of carpet at a car at a, at a at a card show an event in a market in a marketplace is uh it's pretty important you collect peyton manning as well as drew Brees. peyton manning is involved in the mint collective how much of a draw is that for you yeah i mean i think it's big it's one of those things where it's not 
not the only reason that I would go, but it certainly, you know, is a draw for me there. And not just to see him, but it's just, it's awesome when you get athletes, whether it's Peyton or someone else involved in the hobby. And I think they, they have an appreciation for the hobby. And I think just seeing that, whether, you know, they're there in person or in spirit or whatever, just seeing that, that those people involved in the hobby, I think it just gives validation to what we do. Right. And so, you know, um, in, in many cases, those, a lot of athletes are collectors themselves. Um, I think you've seen someone like Giannis who collects your own cards, LeBron, you know, and folks like that. And I think just, just as I mentioned before, that gives the validation. And so I think, you know, you talk about the Mint Collective being an elevated hobby experience. You know, most card shows will have people come in to sign some autographs and things like that. And, you know, but whenever you're having a show and you're, you're getting someone like a Peyton Manning that's involved with it and some other athletes, high profile athletes and stuff, I think that just, it just gives it that into still term from wrestling, a big match type feel. Right. And so I think that just, that just really shows you like, Hey, the Mick collective is somewhere that you need to be. Like if you're in the hobby, whether you're a collector, whether you're an investor, a flipper, you have a business, whatever, I think it's, it's got that WrestleMania Super Bowl type feel to the hobby. Yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it, I liked how you said that, you know, even having uh, a person like Peyton Manning or Giannis that are also collecting cards, how it validates what we're doing. I mean, I don't, and listen, you and me, we don't need their validation. I think, but what it does do is it, it validates it to the rest of the, of, of, of society, other sports fans, and maybe will help grow the hobby because we've got some influential people uh, who are the subject of a lot of these cards collecting them themselves. And I think that's, I think that's a really cool thing, which leads me to my last question, which is regarding the state of the hobby right now, the hobby's been through some times over the last couple of years, you know, we had the big run up during the pandemic. And now in the last year or so, we've seen values, if you will, kind of, you know, normalize a little bit or a lot. And I think that it's, it, we're in a healthy place right now personally, but from your perspective, Drake, how do you see the state of the hobby like today? And do you have any expectations through say the rest of this year? Yeah, I, I, I definitely say the, the hobby and I know it's a bit cliche is in a really healthy spot right now. You know, we saw some wild swings really the last couple of years with, with card prices, fluctuation, fluctuating people coming in and out, lots of volatility, um, some things like that. We saw some people kind of backstabbing and trying to jump all over each other and, and that sort of thing. And I, I mean, yeah, you still see that today to some extent, but I think, I think the hobby is super healthy right now. And a lot of people who were getting in it solely to make money, I think became collectors themselves. And so they're kind of finding their, their sweet spot of like who they want to collect or what they want to collect. And like, yeah, the money aspect of it is still there. Um, I think it's always going to be there, but you know, when you settle in and you're, you're buying cards because you are, you know, you're trading for cards because you truly love that athlete or you love that sport or you love that set or whatever. I think that's, that's where you want to be. And like, that's what takes me back to when, when I was a kid, right. When you're picking up cards and you're going to the local card shop and you know, you're getting them as presents, you're not concerned about well, what's this card worth. And, you know, is this card going to go up in value or whatever, you know, you're, you're being like, Hey, the reason I want this card is because I've got an attachment to this, this athlete for whatever reason. And so I think we're seeing more and more of that. Um, and I think we will continue to see more and more of that as we go throughout 2023, you know, it's, uh, it, we're used to, you know, you could pretty much find any card you wanted 
whenever you want it. It may not be the price you wanted to pay or whatever, but I'll tell you now, there's some specific cards that I'm looking for of the, the players that I collect and I'm having a tough time finding them. Um, and I think that's, that's a great spot for the hobby to be in. It, it, it stinks sometimes as a collector, right? Because you really want to add those cards or whatever. But when you have people that have, as they say, you know, diamond hands holding onto cards, I think that's, that's a good spot to be in. Oh, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Uh, you know, you mentioned having an, having attachment to the, to the players or the athletes. And so we want their cards. It's also, and for anyone you know who might be watching or listening who isn't an advanced collector or maybe a, a complete novice, it's not just attachment to the player. It's also, are your eyes drawn to the specific card? Because, you know, a, a player like Peyton Manning, who Drake collects, will have thousands and thousands of different cards. So you have a lot of options, and you can really hone in on the ones that that you find aesthetically pleasing, that, that your eye really likes to look at. And I think that's just another piece of what makes us collectors and, and what drives us in the hobby. Well, Drake, hey, man, listen, this has been a lot of fun. This has been, you're, you're a true collector. And not to say, you know, there's a lot of discussion. Hobby. Are you a collector or an investor? And we don't need to define what we are. But you're a true hobbyist. I think I'll put it that way. You have a true passion for the cardboard, as I do. And it's always fun to have a discussion with someone else who kind of sees the hobby the way I do. And um, we for everyone listening... I want to invite you back to the Sports Cards Live YouTube channel on April the 8th, which is the Saturday after Mint Collective, where, Drake, you're going to come join me for a longer, like a, a, a long-form discussion, and we will we will debrief the Mint Collective and our experience and probably uh, remember seeing each other there on April the 8th, Saturday night. So invite everybody to come see that on the Sports Cards Live YouTube channel. Um, again, April 8th, Drake Magruder will be my guest. At Drake's underscore PC. Make sure you're following Drake on Instagram if you are not yet. And the Mint Collective is March 30th till April 2nd at the MGM Las Vegas. You can get your tickets at themintcollective.com. It's been going on the ticker this whole time. Hope to see you all there. If you are listening, you come and you recognize me or Drake, make sure you say hello and introduce yourselves. We'd love to meet more people and really build out our community because Drake, I mean, this is being friends with, be, making friends, building our 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 network in the hobby is one of the wonderful aspects of this hobby. So thank you, Drake, for joining. Thank you, Jeremy. And I'll see you in Vegas. Sounds good. We'll see you there. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Have a great rest of the night. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.